<laughs> morning. <laughs> Welcome to Don't Feed the Artist Deep Dive Woo! with Hagen and Dave. That's right. We back. Yeah. Round two. Round two. We're going to talk about uh, the, the baddest boys in town, the fucking, the meanest motherfuckers with the scariest masks you could ever see <laughs> slip not baby yeah slip not i am drinking white claw while talking about Slipknot. i can't imagine something more metal raspberry dave gave me lime <laughs> uh oh cat wants whiskey we also have whiskey too oh i messed up I you didn't do that but that's okay Okay, uh, so Slipknot is a very complicated band. Uh, I, I, I think that if somebody would have like, thought about it back then, I mean, it wasn't the right time, but would have made a fucking great reality show. <laughs> Corey Taylor wouldn't have done it. No one in the band would have agreed to that, but that would have, I mean, it, it would have been. I think a, Joey would have. Maybe, but he also was such a purist to the music and the band. Yeah. He cared way too fucking much. That was his problem. Uh, too many people have been in this band. That's 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 like the the big thing. There's so many fucking members already on stage. Nine. There's not well. So now there's not nine. Now there's eight. Yeah. Currently there's eight, but their whole thing for a while was outside the nine. Um. So uh, I I, I have a list of members that I think are important. <laughs> uh, and then I just didn't write down the rest. Uh. So uh, Sean Crahan. Uh. Uh, he plays trash cans. Uh, is that clown? It's clown. Yeah, it's clown. Yeah, Craig Jones. Uh, he is a sampler keyboard guy. Uh, Mick Thompson guitar. Corey Taylor vocals. Sid Wilson DJ. Uh, then there was Paul Gray on bass. Joey Jordison on drums. And then we got Alessandro Venturella on bass and Jay Weinberg on drums. So I think those are the most important people that have been in the band. I think everybody else kind of like it was like finding what the actual lineup should be. Clown is the only original member. Yeah, yeah. Now, now he is, and he sucks. Yeah, he does suck. Yeah. Oh, uh, I, 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 I didn't say Chris Fenn. I didn't say Chris Fenn. Sorry. He's not. Well, yeah, he's no, an important he's, member. Yeah. He's not in the band. He's not in the band anymore. right now. He's yeah. suing the band. Yeah, yeah. Chris Fenn was not the, getting paid enough money. Chris Fenn was the other trash can player in the band. Um, but yeah. So let's uh let's get into what this band is. Uh so they formed in 95. They're from Iowa. Uh reading about how the band started is is pretty uh it, it's exhausting. It's like well, he was in this band in Iowa. He was in this band in Iowa. I didn't even read anything about that. It was cuz I knew it would be that way. Yeah, it was it was basically just like all of these friends were in the same scene and then they would start another band together and with this friend and then they would start another band together with this friend and then that band would break up and so on and so on. I was like, I can't, I can't write notes on this because this is stupid. Yeah, it's hard enough to get nine people to rehearse, <laughs> let alone getting nine people to start a band. Yeah, so eventually they got like a relative lineup together. Um, they were originally called Meld, <laughs> which is, uh, I mean... If anybody out there thinks Slipknot's a bad band name, Meld is worse. I don't think Meld's. Yeah, that, that doesn't really say anything. It sounds like if Slipknot were an old man metal band. Yeah, yeah, Meld. That's, that's very true. Um, so uh, I found this interesting. Uh, most of like the early development of the band was done late at night uh, between Paul Gray, uh, Sean Crahan, and Joey Jordison at a gas station where Joey worked at nights. And they would all just go hang out while Joey was working, and they would like plan the band and talk about it together. Oh, I didn't read any of that stuff. <laughs> I I picked up where Corey Taylor saw the first official show as the as the band Slipknot, and yeah. he wasn't in the band, right? But he right. wanted to be in the band. Yeah, man, this White Claw's not very good. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> this is this is was this a trick? Yes, I've, I've, I've been, tricked you. I've been I've been scammed. Um, so that was 95. Yeah, 95. Four years later. Something like that. We're, st we're still... Well, so we got to talk about one thing that, that we didn't listen to and we shouldn't listen to. But oh. um, so uh, they changed their name to Slipknot around 96. They were offered a label deal, a record label deal. From who? Uh, Do we know? Uh, I didn't write it down. 
Sorry. That's fine. Uh, Couldn't oh. have been important. Oh, maybe, maybe this... No, it was, Ro- it was Roadrunner. Roadrunner. Roadrunner, yeah. okay. Yeah, it was Roadrunner. So they so they get a record deal from Roadrunner that um, is uh, $40,000, basically. Hmm. Um, so... Uh, that's not a lot of money. No, but in 95... I mean, that's not like 40 years ago. Nine, no, yeah. I'm going to figure out what that is. Um, $40,000 in 1995. Yeah. They didn't take Oh, it. sorry. I misread my notes. I'm sorry. They made about $40,000 on their first record. Oh. Uh, with no label or no contract. Then they got signed. I'm oh. sorry, everybody. The first record is not Slipknot. It is called Mate, Feed, Kill, Repeat. And it is um, uh, really hard to listen to. But the I, first official record it's called Mate Feed Kill Repeat. It is not on Spotify, it is not on anything. I have a CD of it at home, it's not good. Oh, yeah, okay, okay. Uh, I didn't know that that would have been their that's not their first, like, that's their first album. That's the really, first, yeah, that wasn't even on the listening list. No, because it's because it's not on things, it's, it sucks, yeah, it's not good. Um, but it at the time it was like, holy shit this is heavy and weird and there's trash mm-hmm. cans and DJs all at once. <laughs> Which was the scene minus the trash cans. DJs were a big part of the scene in well, that, at that time. Getting into what new metal was, which yeah. is, which is what we'll talk about event like soon. It's just how they, they did this at the right time. They were a band at the, just the right time for the record for anyone who's wondering $40,000 in 1995 uh, would be roughly equivalent to $64,000. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'd take that money. Um, Okay, so so then after Mate Feed Kill Repeat comes out, then Corey Taylor joins the band. Oh, he wasn't even in the band. No, and that's when they, and this is '96 uh, comes out on Halloween, and that's when they um, get their official offer, a seven album deal from Roadrunner for five hundred thousand dollars. Again, they probably renegotiated. Probably then. at some yeah. point, but I mean, as a it, it, as a, a starting out metal band in the late '90s to get that deal with one record is like. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I guess I'm just thinking about the fact that it's been 24 years since they've been a band. Right. And $500,000 over 24 years, they're only on record number. Their record number six is about to come out. Yeah, but but the other thing to think about is that, I, I mean, I bet the deal also includes residuals. Oh, yeah. It definitely includes royalties. Hopefully masters. Yeah, stuff like that. So there's 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 a lot of things in those deals that's not just like, it's easy to just see the 500000 but it's, right. it's, it includes more than that. And they they did really well for themselves. So you know they have not fest, right? And right. all of those. Other they have things. so many things. Yeah. So then, what year do you have the first album coming out in? Ninety nine. Okay. Uh, it did come out in ninety nine, but also some people claim it came out in ninety eight because it kind of did come out in ninety eight, and then it also like truly came out in ninety nine. Like they released the full finished version in ninety nine. Okay. Yeah. It's super weird. Do you know why? Uh, I just. And they were done. They weren't they, done. They just dropped it in '98 anyway. Weird. Yeah, super weird. Because back then, of course, there were there, it wouldn't have leaked because things weren't leaking back then. Yeah, to, for something to leak, I mean, it happened, but it, you would get like the shittiest quality out of a back of a van or something like that. Right. It's not an actual like, oh wow, this is the album. Yeah. Um. So I came out in '99, 15 songs. Uh, people fucking loved it. I loved it. Yeah, I loved it too. Uh, getting uh, some of the reviews were saying that it's the heaviest heaviest thing they've ever heard. My favorite quote was uh, "Capital e- or sorry, it was metal with a capital M from Rolling Stone." Um, hell yes. Um, I could hear like the sizzle from the bubbles. That was nice. Ruby grapefruit. <laughs> <laughs> um, spit it out and wait and bleed were the singles. Wait mm-hmm. and bleed nominated for a Grammy. Um, yeah, I thought I'd be, it's a great fucking album. It's I was in fifth grade when this came out. Uh, uh, I was not. I was younger than that. <laughs> I didn't hear this album until way later. I, I yeah, it took me a while. Um, I was in high school when I heard this album. Um, but so it, I mean, it did it did really really well for a metal album for their first album. Peaked at fifty one on Billboard two hundred, certified double platinum in the U.S. Uh, band's best selling album which is pretty crazy to think about that this is their number. I mean, yeah, it's their first one and has had the most time, but even still, yeah. that's pretty nuts to think about the fact that this is their best-selling album. 
Uh, and then on top of that, in 2011, it was voted the best debut album of the last 25 years by readers of Metal, ha- Metal Hammer magazine. <laughs> by readers Which of is, fucking Metal Hammer magazine. But that's still saying a whole lot. Yeah. Metalheads to go. This is the best debut. Yeah. But then at that time, it was fucking Cold Chamber and Static X and all these bands that kind of sucked. Yeah, Cold Chamber weren't bad, but of, like... Of the last 25 years, Okay, though, sure. In 2011, of the last 25 years, that's still pretty cool. That's still pretty cool for, for the large group of metalheads to be like, that's, that's neat. Right. That's neat. Yeah. Neat. Neato burrito. Uh... Ross Robinson produced, who they 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 liked and use again later. He pushed them a lot. Yeah, yeah. And they there was a, a story of one of the guitar players got this like custom guitar that he was really excited. It was a custom Jackson. He was really excited to play it in the studio, and this guy kicked it out of his hands. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Well, was that so? Was that um? Was that Josh Brainerd? Was that that guitar player? Hmm. No, because he was the guitar player on the album, and he quit during the recording. Really? Uh huh. Is it because of the producer? I don't. I, I I couldn't find out why. No. But he quit during the recording, and then that's when they bring Jim Root in. It was Jim Root. There's Jim and Mick. Yeah, Jim and Mick. Yeah. Which one is not the bigger guy? Uh, they're both tall as fuck. Jim is skinny. Okay, so it's probably Jim. Okay, it's yeah. Jim. Yeah. Kick the fucking guitar out of his hands. I bet that was great to like join a band. And that's the first thing that happens to yeah. you. <laughs> well, they, they went crazy in the studio, and the producer kept pushing them, get crazier, get crazier. Yeah. the uh, the um, I mean, it's, yeah, super, super aggressive and chaotic recording session that just ended up being, I mean, it, the goal was to get the energy that the album eventually got. Mm-hmm. The energy on that album is fucking unbeatable. Mm-hmm. Um, just right off the bat was sick i'm just like i don't care what happens anymore yeah the, with the opening which is the the whole thing i think is sick it's a quote from a um uh what's what is it charles manson documentary yeah yeah it's awesome uh, it's gotta, like, what a crazy way to open it i gotta album. take off my jacket i'm wearing Hagen is but... wearing a <laughs> uh slipknot branded jacket well it's not slipknot branded it is uh it is just a black jacket but i'm a member of the slipknot fan club at least oh i was God. when i was in high school and they sent uh and they uh, something we didn't mention is that each member of Slipknot has a number. Yeah. And since there are nine members, they have like their core numbers. But uh, I have a number because I'm a, I'm a member of the fan club. What's your number? 515-0013-4724. Not even close. <laughs> <laughs> nope. <laughs> but hey, as like a, as an 11th grader, I was stoked on it. I thought so that was the coolest shit. It's a patch, right? It's a patch. Did your mom sew it on? My mom sewed Not it Not metal. Not metal. No, no. I was a, a a a little boy in high school at a private high school. I was not metal. That still fits you. Uh, it's really big on me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god, dude. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. I would. There's no way that a jacket would fit me now. That would okay. May, uh, well, this jacket would fit you. Anyway, Wh- whatever. Jackets. Jackets. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> really important to the first record. <laughs> um. So it, it, it does, for me, this album will always be one of the heaviest things you can ever hear. Um, it, it, just, it just hits so hard. Uh, the, al- the album really, like all the albums have this, but to be the first album of theirs, like the true first album of theirs, and to showcase every aspect of what the band is and does, right. like having the DJ, having the, having the auxiliary percussionist, like actually doing shit right. is really great. Um, and I, I, it's, it, it really isn't a new metal album, but it came out with new metal. Okay, so now I th- I feel like we have to kind of talk about what new metal is then, because I totally thought it was a new metal album. I don't think it is. I remember seeing all of the guitar magazines and all of the music magazines with Slipknot on the cover and frequently underneath them saying, Slipknot, the latest new metal. Yeah, I think that they got lumped into that because of when they came out, but I don't think that they were, at least at this point in time, I don't think they were new metal. Because well, what are the qualities of new metal? Rapping? I think, I think new metal has much more of a poppy quality. Okay. And this first album and the next album don't have that. Like, they have the songwriting of a 
pop song, I guess. They just have they just have songwriting. They have for, song yeah, form, yeah, yeah, basic song forms. Uh, but like rapping, mm-hmm. rap screaming. Yeah, he does he does a he does a lot more of the screaming on the first album with minimal rapping, and then he does his singing there too. But it's like brutal singing. Yeah, but it's not min. I wouldn't say minimal rapping. Yeah, I mean he has verses, and his yeah, verses are fast. Yeah, and it's not that necessarily everything. It's you know he's not he's not like a late 90s hip-hop rapper but right he's rapping yeah i just I, it's just hard for me to say like because uh, i mean like I, I don't know there's a lot of bands like that i think maybe don't and not a lot there's a couple bands i don't think fit in the new metal category when they but they just were out at the time and what about corn yeah probably new metal limp biscuit yeah definitely new metal yeah but those but those had like Corn, corn is definitely new metal, but I, I just don't like. They had the heaviness, but they didn't have the uh, intensity and craziness. No, not at all. That like, because this is like, this is like, if you took like hardcore music or thrash metal mm-hmm. and mixed it with like, I guess like modern day, like modern day nineties yeah. form of music, like taking like the idea of like how a how like a grunge or punk song is written plus mm-hmm. like a thrash song. And then, like, put rap over it. Right. Or, like, put a melody over it. Right. So, it, 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 I think it could be considered new metal. I just don't think. Well, and I also see where you're coming from on the flip side, because a lot of people thought Incubus was new metal. Which is, their yeah. fir- Their first, the, the, their album Science, which was out at the time that all this was happening, uh, kind of sound, sounded like it could fit into that world, but we right. all know where they went. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, uh, the first album was a massive success, crazy, crazy amounts of success. They toured like crazy, and when they were done with their tour, nobody wanted to tour with them. Yeah, because by the time they would finish their set, half the crowd would be gone. Yeah, and I mean it's just like I mean I think they got like really burnt out on it too really fast. Oh yeah, they went insane. They couldn't. They their masks were like very poorly ventilated. Yeah, yeah. Those masks are nuts. You can definitely find like the progression of the masks on online, but uh, yeah, they uh, they're they're weird. <laughs> I like them, but I don't see. Uh, it doesn't do anything for me. It's just so weird for me to see older pictures from that era because I get really nostalgic about it. But I'm getting nostalgic about a bunch of grown men in creepy, creepy costumes. <laughs> I mean, like it's yeah. I mean, it's it's like. It's, I wouldn't even describe it as creepy. They're just weird. They're just like, why? Yeah, like, but, why are you a grown man in this? Like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that album was a crazy success. They toured it, and then they took two years, and then they released Iowa. Do you have anything else in this album? Sorry, I should. I, I just went on. No, it's fine. I was oh, going to okay. say my favorite track from that album was Eyeless. Yeah, Eyeless is incredible. Yeah, uh, that's really good. Uh, I it's hard for me to say because I have this like there's so many songs on that album that I have like specific things to and it's it's a bummer because every time I think about what my favorite songs on every album are they tend to be the first song not the actual not like the first not track. the fucking intro but because every album has an intro not everyone okay. the fourth one that's a point I had I was, we'll, I was we'll excited to it. yeah okay. <laughs> uh but. Every but like they have, they have intros that yeah. that's not I'm, I'm talking about like sick is probably my favorite song on that album but at the same time um, spit it out is probably gonna be pretty high up there for me yeah uh, yeah spit it out um, Eeyore get oh get this oh get this is it pronounced Eeyore I don't know if it's Eeyore I don't know Eeyore, either but, but I looked I googled it because I was yeah. like that I don't think that's fucking Eeyore yeah. But uh, get this, that's a fucking that that song is so heavy, and that song I don't think was on the original release of the album, and then it came out on another release of it later. But they recorded it with it. But it's oh, such a good song. When you said get this, I thought you were about to be like, blo- Kill, I thought you were, I thought you were gonna this. blow my mind. Nope. dude, get this. The song, the song titled "Get This." Uh, okay, so Iowa comes out two thousand one. Uh, mm-hmm. Fourteen songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I feel bad for them on this album. Cause Why? Well, a lot of a lot of reasons, but I mean, everyone was waiting for it. And at the time, if we are going to lump them in new metal, which they were, you know, I, I mean, the fans were like they were ready for. I mean, they were ready chomping for at shit. the bit, and yeah. the record label were were trying to pressure them to make more radio friendly stuff. Yeah, and that was not going to. And they said, happen. "Fuck you guys, we're going to not do that." Yeah, and so, um, yeah, but overall, people liked it. 
uh, it, people thought it was like heavier and 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 uh, more more brutal than the last album. I think it was too. Yeah, for sure. It was definitely cleaner on the production. Again, it was produced yeah. by Ross Robinson. Yeah, same guy. But it was recorded at Sound City. Ooh, Woo. yeah, Sound City, baby. Uh, one of those albums. Yeah. So, um, the singles were left behind and my plague, which were also both nominated for Grammys. Did any of them win? Nope. See, I need to start putting that stuff down. too. <laughs> they, they had a lot of Grammy nominations over their career. They mm-hmm. had a lot, uh, which is great. All of them, except for a couple were just best metal performance. Always the bridesmaid. <laughs> so it was recorded at sound city. Uh, Joey and Paul wrote a lot of the music. Uh, they they basically like wrote a lot of the music in between touring, especially when they were done touring the first yeah, record. Because they finished touring and then they were like, okay, new record now. Yeah, but the rest of the band fucked off. Mm-hmm. It was just the two of them. Wow. Yeah, the rest of the band was like, I'm I need a fucking break. Yeah, of course. So, but the two of them were like, well, well we want to keep doing this. And uh, and Joey said that uh, as soon as the band came back, uh, they he said, quote, that's where we got into a war. Basically, uh, Gray and uh, Paul Gray and Joey Jordison didn't get a break because they wrote the music and then they went to record it. Oh, and people were already like high, high energy, high anger while they're like because they they just got up. They they didn't get that much of a break anyway. Right, none of them did, and they kept asking them to do more things, and right. no one else was writing as much, nearly as much as they were. Right, and it was just like they got really fucking pissed off. Uh, some other sounds cra- like it. Yeah, some other crazy things were. Uh, Corey Taylor is a crazy addict. Uh, he has a lot of alcohol addiction problems, drug addiction problems, anger problems. Already at this point. Yeah, th- this 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 slowed them down quite a bit. Was Damn. this? Um, uh, quote from Sean Crahan, clown. I wanted to kill myself. There was drugs, bitches, rock and roll, all that shit. People expected so much of us then. People equal shit was our way of saying fuck off and leave us alone. Uh, and then Tor- uh, Corey Taylor said, quote, there was nothing happy about Iowa. <laughs> all of a sudden, we were these metal stars, and we weren't really planning for it. We'd all got caught up in the lifestyle and the problems that come with that. A darkness set in at the beginning of Iowa that none of us quite recognized. Wow. Yeah. It's the whole, like... Artists suffering for their craft, kind of thing. Yep. Which but- kind of bu- it bugs me because I don't think you fucking need that. But like, <laughs> it it so this is this is this is where I get my favorite some of my favorite Slipknot stuff though. And I was gonna do a I have a bit like I did for the Radiohead bit, but this is the first part of that bit, and that is Corey Taylor crazy shit. Uh, so in the recording for this album, uh. When he was recording vocals for the song Iowa, oh, yeah. <laughs> he was completely naked and vomiting all over himself and cutting and himself, cut himself with himself broken open. glass. Yep. And he said, quote, that's where the best stuff comes from. What You've got to break yourself down before you can build yourself something great. <sighs> what the fuck? I can't imagine ever getting to that point where I think, oh, man, you know, I could do a better vocal take if I were to be naked covered in vomit and blood your own vomit your own blood yeah. and you're causing all of it well i mean you're not going to get the runner to go get you vomit and blood <laughs> maybe uh but yeah it's just like what the fuck like yeah. uh i mean like and and i don't know if like yeah so he clearly thought it was like if i do this i'm gonna get the most raw vocal take i possibly can but also like is that really worth it but also, kind of it was because it was kind of a hit. So yeah, but I mean, like it, it also could have just as well been horrible because they were also heavily under the influence. Uh, I I want to meet this producer because he's done other albums that are notable. I don't have any of them written down, but yeah, what he kind of seems like he's a little bit deranged, or maybe he just takes on the vibe of the band. Well, yeah, that and he um he got in a, in an accident during uh-huh. this album. Oh. He uh, he got in a dirt bike accident, uh, fractured his back. Oh, one day in the hospital was back in the studio. Oh my goodness! And the band was basically like, "Cool, um, we love you. Your commitment is insane." And oh, they, yeah. that, that was that was the kind of energy they wanted. They wanted that yeah. kind of thing, which is just like, <sighs> like no. <laughs> yeah, no wonder they were burnt out. Yeah, exactly. 
So uh, then the album came out after this ridiculous recording process, and everyone it's was so long. Everyone was long. Oh, it's so long. <laughs> but uh, so I have a lot of really I don't know. I think this album is fucking incredible. Oh, also this is the first album Jim Root really had anything to do with because he mm. came in in the middle of the first album. It didn't really do much. I think the songs were already written, and he just kind of played them. Right. But this one, he actually did some stuff, which is cool. Uh, the album is definitely heavier than mm-hmm. the first one. Uh, my only, my, my biggest qualm with every, every Slipknot album, uh, or it's my, sorry, my two, my one biggest qualm with every Slipknot album, but this is my biggest qualm with the, with Iowa. So with Iowa, it gets really repetitive because I mm-hmm. feel like the heaviness never really takes a break except in these moments of like the weird ambient fucking like not even ambient, just like random noise things that happen on every Slipknot album. Right. And I fucking hate those. Me too. I, they drive me nuts. Like the like Iowa is 15 minutes long. Yeah, exactly. And it does not ever need to be 15 minutes long. Yeah. So, um, but it just, it just feels like we're, like at a certain point, we're being heavy because we're being heavy, but not because it's really needed. But maybe it just spoke to the pureness and rawness of the band. I don't know. Well, I wonder also too, because this is in 2001. Yeah. So we're talking about 2001, a, a listening audience in 2001 where 13 songs was not that much to ask of an audience. Right. So then now in 2019, when I hear 13 songs, mostly the same textures, yeah. there's the, the song was Gentle. Yeah, Gently. Gently. That is the only like change in texture. Yeah. And it's like, come the fuck on. Like I was listening to that going like, oh man, give me a break. Yeah, that's a big one. But what I'll say also is like, I mean, uh, at the same time, even though they, there isn't that much sprinkling and texture change, there's so many fucking bangers. Oh, yeah. So many. I mean, not like people, people equal shit, obviously. Uh-huh. But this, I think, I, I think this is their, their most anthematic anth- uh, album. I think, yeah. And the, the two singles, have we already said the two singles? Yeah, the we did. Left yeah, yeah. I think that, I think Heretic Anthem should have been a single. Yeah, but that's, but that's the beautiful part about them making that an anthem is that it didn't need to be a single. It was mm. a fucking anthem. And People Equal Shit's an anthem too. All those songs, like so many of the songs on these, on that album have these, these yellable choruses, right? Like, like I, I, I put sing-alongs in my notes because <laughs> yeah, because all the Slipknot fans, what did they have a name for the fans? I forget. Uh, they're maggots. Is. The maggots. All the maggots love that stuff. Yeah. Well, and that's and that's what we'll get to on the next album too. But like that is that is something that, uh, it it definitely it makes it stick out like a lot. Yeah. Um. But overall, not my favorite thing they ever did. But it it's it's not like. It's not the worst thing at all. No, and it's a great second album. Yeah, it really is. Like they, I watched an interview where they were talking about how we really didn't want to water down, like our sound and do a bunch of generic things that were kind of in the same vein of what, right? You know, they didn't want to repeat themselves. Of course, but they it sold it outsold the first album for a little while. Yeah, it, and it was more successful on the charts. Yeah, yeah, which is just crazy. Yeah, it's absolutely crazy. Uh. I don't have much about the touring of this this album, but uh, I'm, Me neither. Sh- I'm sure it was fucking crazy. Well, I mean, 2001, it came out. 2004 is when the next album comes out. So. Yeah, I bet. I mean, knowing them and their touring process, I bet, especially around this time, it probably was just fucking nuts and they got angry. Oh, yes. Yeah. I mean, they the, getting into volume three, getting into the next album, they, they took a break again. Mm-hmm. And people thought that they weren't going to make another album. Yeah. Their fans thought that it was game over because people were in other bands mm-hmm. and they were putting their focus there, and that didn't look like Volume Three was going to come out. But that's fine because, like, they also the band themselves didn't even think that the first album was going to last that long, right? So they were they were burning the candle at both ends. And every I wonder if they were doing much press, or if they were doing like, you know, like I wonder w- when they were touring. Wouldn't you hate to be their tour manager? Uh, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I, think, I know as well as I know I think, you, Hagen. I know you would be pissed. I think. That. I think. It, I think it'd be funny for like a day, right? Um, and then, but and then for not. like two years, yeah. And then not nah, fuck that noise. <laughs> so, uh, so this comes out. Um, people were really like, so that's fourteen songs. So again, long album. We're talking about volume volume three, three. volume three, the subliminal two thousand four, two thousand four. Uh, it's like. Uh, it's like generally really liked. Uh, like the reviews are pretty much like they're either going to say really happy that Slipknot is still Slipknot with like pop. 
or they're gonna say like uh weak yeah that was it's, that was the big thing was people were saying it was weak it's produced by rick rubin yeah which that was some shit the, oh yeah can i can i have, can i read a cory taylor quote go ahead he said uh on working with rick rubin he said we were being charged horrendous amounts of money mm-hmm. and for me if you're going to produce something you're fucking there i don't care who you are and then he said he is overrated he is overpaid and i will never work with him again yeah so that's uh that's pretty great um I just remembered my bit I was going to do. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and do it now. Uh, so, a crazy Corey Taylor thing. Uh, Corey Taylor, here's the, it's just a headline. Corey Taylor injures testicle while <laughs> screaming high notes. <laughs> this is real. He was screaming high notes, and he popped a left his left nut. Popped it open? I don't know exactly. He just tweeted about it and then went to the hospital. <sighs> there aren't that many high notes on the record. Uh, it's, it's not for this record. It's oh. just, it's just a, <laughs> this is just a, um, just a, just a general Corey Taylor thing. Just a crazy, crazy Corey Taylor thing. Yeah. I mean, he, he said that when he was writing that record, when they were first writing it, he would drink until he would wake up, start drinking and drink until he passed out. Right. Which is again, it, his, his addiction problem, which is during really, the writing process. Yeah. Uh, okay. So Rick Rubin, that was fucked. Uh, there were, uh, too many singles. There were six singles. Yeah. Um, uh, duality, Vermilion, Vermilion Part Two. Before I forget, the Nameless and the Blister exists. Yes. So, uh, Duality, Vermilion, not Part Two, but Vermilion, and Before I Forget were nominated for Grammys. Um, duality was nominated for the Hard Rock Grammy instead of Metal. Um, okay. And then Vermilion and Before I Forget were nominated for Metal. Before I Forget won it the year that it was nominated. Oh, so we got a win. Congratulations. We got a win. Finally, three records in. Three records in and a bunch of nominations. Yeah. <laughs> Foo Fighters got a Grammy for their first record. Uh, yeah, we're not talking about that. We can talk about that later. Oh, sorry, I'm just throwing that in. <laughs> um, so, uh, quote from Sean. Quote, the first album was a lot of fun. The second album felt like we were saying, fuck you, we're dying here. And then the third record was the healing process. That's um, why it sucks. Oh no! Do you like that album? <laughs> yeah, it's really good, I, dude. I don't it's like a really it at all. Fucking good album. Uh, okay, so Rick Rubin. Um, oh, this I loved this. Uh, Joey said that this album is Radiohead plus Slayer. What? <laughs> Thank you, Jay Weinberg, for being in the band. I don't fucking like this album. I think it's great. I think the music, I think the writing is great, the music stuff, but I think the way that Corey Taylor's, because I think he got sober during the recording of this. Mm-hmm. He quit cold turkey. Yeah. And he even himself said that he was struggling to get good vocal takes, mm-hmm. but it's not even that. For me, it's the way that the vocals are mixed in with most of the record, aside from the singles. The singles sound to me like they're that they were taking care of more than the rest of the songs on the album, and it sounds like on the rest of the songs, his vocals aren't really mixed in really well with the. Yeah, see, for me, like I, I think Duality is a, I think Duality is one of the worst songs on the album. What? I don't like that song very much. Uh, I think it's a fine song, like in terms of like I'm talking about a band I really like, and I don't like one song. That means like I still like it. I, it's my favorite song on the album. Uh, Blistered exists. It, it, well, okay. Pulse of the Maggots is the best song on that album. Okay. 100% Pulse of the Maggots is the best song on that album. And that was like, they loved writing that song. It, it like, it changed a lot for them. The, uh, I can't remember what it was. Corey had a different name for it when they were writing it. And he mm-hmm. was kind of working on lyrics. And then Joey came up and was like, we should call it Pulse of the Maggots because our fans are maggots. Mm. And then Corey was like, and that changed the whole song. Catering to the fans. Yeah, but it's like, it was it was something that like really spoke to them too. Well, yeah, because maybe at that time they knew they were struggling and their fans were sticking by them. But it, yeah, so uh, that song is the best, but... but uh, no, I think Duality is the best. Okay, well, anyway. So The Blistered Exists is a great song. Well, Three, anyway. <laughs> Three Nil is a great song. Opium of the People is a great song. Vermilion and Vermilion Part 2 is a, are great. The Nameless, people shit on The Nameless, and I think they're morons. Why? Uh, they shit on it because it's really heavy to start with, and then the chorus is like this really soft, like... It's, it's it's out of left field, like really soft, no like no drums, just kind mm-hmm. of acoustic guitar singing, and then it goes back to the heaviness. I really liked it. Yeah, I, also, I think Vermilion Part Two really caught me off guard, but in a good way. Yeah, that song is like, uh, 
people who don't listen to Slipknot love Vermillion Part 2. Well, it sounds like a Stone Sour song. Yeah, so that's the other thing, too. Corey Taylor and Jim Root had another band called Stone Sour, and that was more of like a, like a alt-rock, hard-rock band. Mm-hmm. At the like in the mid two thousands, Stone Sour was I guess Corey had Stone Sour in the nineties, um, but it didn't it did it, it didn't get going until after Slipknot it didn't like get big. Oh yeah, he had that, that was like his band in, in the whole incestuous bullshit in Iowa. Oh, so was Jim Root in it as well? I don't know if he was in it at the time, but okay. I know that I'm, I know that Stone Sour existed before right. um, before like this thing happened. Yeah. So anyway, it got big after Slipknot. And it, it, it's just at a certain point in time, you, you wonder if he wanted to do Stone Sour or Slipknot more. And if he wanted to, if, if he maybe stuck with Slipknot because he was contractually obligated or because it was making more money or whatever, because all of these songs end up having a little bit of Stone Sour as the years go on. Right. I think part of that was also that they were getting older. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you can't like the way that they were they were burning themselves out in the late nineties is you can't keep that up for forty years. It's yeah. just not gonna happen. Yeah. Um that's very true. So but they they like for me this album was this is what got me into the band because I heard before I forget. I was like, that's kinda cool. Oh, that's why you like it so much. Yeah. Okay. That's but, cool. But but I still like I go back to the other albums. I go yeah. back to this one and there's nothing like uh, the first album and this one are the ones that will forever shape a lot of how I listen to metal music. Right. Okay. Uh, because I think he's like the way, the way his vocal sound on this album are like almost perfect in a lot of cases. Yeah. Um, but regardless, this, this, this is, go ahead. This is all the, the first album to kind of feature guitar solos, right? There were guitar solos on Iowa, uh, but they were, they were, I mean, this album's so long. I was, I was talking to, to my roommate and I was like showing him a guitar solo on one of the albums. And then I was like, oh, there's this sick one on, on Iowa. And I was like going through the track list. And I'm like, I don't fucking find know. It. I don't fucking know what song it was on. <laughs> God damn it. Um, but yeah, this, this, this album had a lot more, I think it had a lot more just like general songwriting tactics versus like, yeah. I mean, like we said, the other songs in the past albums have, you know, good song form, but this felt like it had more um, uh, thought into it. Also, it, it felt to me like they let more influence come into the writing yeah. process. Like, uh, is this the album where more than just the very core group of people were writing? Like, everybody was writing? Uh, no, that's... No. Um, okay. So, the, yeah. Uh, Opium of the People sounds like a slip, uh, System of a Down song to me. Yeah, I get that. And just just the franticness of yeah. it, but it yeah. I think yeah I, I mean that this album it it definitely it spoke to me in a lot of ways and just what you can do with with metal right I almost stopped listening to it until because I was getting really burnt out on listening to it and then Vermilion Part Two came on and I was like oh okay I can finish the record it's a fucking palate cleanser it's definitely a palate and cleanser. then the name and then the name was comes on and you're like whoa yeah here we uh, go yeah so uh, I think this album's incredible um, they. I think they, they, this is when I, uh, I didn't see the, I guess I saw them um, tour. It wasn't like right after this album. It was right before the next album came out. So it might've oh, been okay. they, like they, they were touring before the next album, but they were still like doing a lot of the, this song, this stuff. I mean, to me, what this, what the tour that I saw when I was a kid from this was like, they were, they had, they were in a stride of like, energy performance right and this is the slipknot that we all came to know and love that was like the perfect level of energy performance and craziness but it wasn't like too over the top by any means where you're not sure if they're going to finish the show yeah i mean it definitely was over the top but it was you know you know it's a it's a it's a it's a theatrical thing was this at was this for a not fest no i saw the first time or was not fest out at this point do you know i don't know the first time i saw them was at um it was uh, the Rockstar Energy Fest. No, 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 no. Shit, what was it? It wasn't. Yeah, it was Rockstar's Metal Fest they had for a while. I don't know what it was called. But that that, that stopped pretty quick. I don't know what that's right. called. Um, but that was the first time I saw them and I didn't really, like, I was kind of into them and then they really, like, they shook me. Mm. Um, and then uh, I saw them again with the All Hope Is Gone tour. Um, but yeah, this I I think that this album is something that was really good for them. But I say that, and I think that we that we're about to take a really uh, 
interesting turn with yeah. the next two albums. But I, I also want to say that like when you the album that you start listening to when you get in to a band, nine times out of ten is your favorite album. Yeah, for sure. So you got in at this album, mm-hmm. and I got in at the beginning. Not to sound like a hipster, but <laughs> I was there before you were. Well, and but the- I, I just sorry, I just was listening to this album. And I was like, man, it doesn't sound. Uh, another thing was that they weren't really in the room together right. when they were recording this album. Joey Jordison laid down all the drums and basically dipped. Yeah, right. So it's like to me, I my mistake was reading about the album before i listened to it right so i listened to it with those biased thoughts of like oh, totally okay cool i didn't see it live yeah so another thing is that if you see a, a band touring their new record live and then hear the record you have the memories of that and seeing something live is always better than hearing it on record yeah maybe I, not always but most of the time i i i think that there was there's just something about like the rawness that still continued over that that will not stop. It still it continues over now to this day with them. Yeah. But even even in the songs that you don't like, there's still that raw energy that's great. Yeah, that's why the records are exhausting for me because yeah. I'm like, man, this is just so much. Yeah. It's my crazy. ears aren't tuned to that anymore. Yeah. So uh All Hope Is Gone comes out. Uh so this isn't a crazy Corey Taylor thing. This is just a fun slipknot fact for everybody before we get into All Hope Is Gone. Uh at one point in time, Slipknot was Rihanna's favorite band. Oh my god. <laughs> I just want to hear her say Slipknot. <laughs> uh that and that that's 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 uh I like that fact. It's I think that's super Hagen's fun. fun fact. That's my fun that's my fun Slipknot fact. Okay, so uh All Hope is Gone 15 songs 2008. The singles for this one were All Hope is Gone, Psychosocial, Dead Memories, Sulfur and Snuff. Yeah, so uh the reviews are basically the same as they were with volume three, basically this concept of like uh, people liked this direction of being heavy plus the pop stuff. And then the people being like, well, this is like, this is weak. This is a poor imitation of what Slipknot was. This is ridiculous. Um, so uh, they recorded it with this guy named Dave Fortman. Uh, this is the first time they recorded in Iowa. Uh, the first time they wrote and recorded the album in Iowa. Iowa since they have been a band. Everything else was in LA. I guess except for Mate Feed Kill Repeat. But well, we're not counting yeah. that. That's not a part of it. Uh so uh everything else was in LA. Um it was great because everybody got to be at home. Corey would go home every day to his son. It was really nice. They got to be with their families. They wrote 30 songs. Um jo- Jordison commented, I have to say that the band is at its peak. Everyone, I mean everyone, is now completely involved in the writing process. And it's a beautiful thing. Uh, a weird thing that Corey tracked a song inside of an old well for like the reverb. Because he loved the reverb. Yeah. 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 Uh, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll take that over being naked and vomiting, vomiting. and cutting yourself. See, that's the uh, vomiting and being <laughs> naked and covering yourself is your brain on drugs. I, I, will, I, will take, I will take singing in an old well over that <laughs> for sure. It was produced by Dave Fortman. Yeah, yeah. Did you already say that? I did, but that's okay. Son of a bitch. Because <laughs> I'm reading my notes and trying to listen to you at the same time. So uh, I think that uh, th- this this album, I think for them and their brain, was so easy to record and so easy to write. And <laughs> then it comes out and they fucking hate it. They they, yeah. they look back on this album and they say it's the worst thing they've ever done. And it was their first album to go to number one on Billboard. Yeah, which is just like, I mean... <laughs> Clown, I watched an interview with Clown where he was like, this has got to be some sort of sick fucking joke. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, like, fuck you, Clown, because you decided to do some weird fucking remix of Vermilion Part 2, and you thought Child of Burning Time was going to be a cool song. Right. Like, you're the... Like, <laughs> like fuck you, dude. Dude, he's a weird... He's such a weird guy. He's yeah. so, like... I really don't like him. Yeah. That interview I keep referencing was this thing they did for Google Play, and it's like every time it, it gets to clown, he's like, mask number one, I was feeling like this. Ugh, and then God. they go to the new record, he's like, mask two, don't look at me, don't talk to me, I'm not going to listen to what you have to say, blah, blah, blah. He's like, mask three, healing. Yeah. It's like, get out, get your head out of your ass, man. Yeah. But I literally, in my notes for this album, I just have, boo, Sean. Uh, <laughs> 
because the other members of the band were out doing different <laughs> stuff. So like they kind of like everybody was part of the writing process, but they did like a split sort of thing where like these two will go write this kind of song and these two will go write this kind of song. And I, I mean, I've got to say, I think this album is like one of the most hit or miss albums I've ever heard in my entire life. Right. Uh, it starts off incredible. Gematria is one of my favorite songs I've ever done ever. Mm -hmm. I think it's such a good song. Uh, the song all hope is gone is heavy as fuck. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I have super aggressive by far the most brutal single. Yeah. And killing guitar solos. It, it means so good. Uh, this, the, the single psychosocial is so good. But then there's like the fucking downer and shitty songs like Child of Burning Time. <laughs> what the fuck is the point of that song? Uh, Sulfur's okay. Uh, Dead Memories is like, what am I doing? What am I doing? I Yeah, I, th I wrote that for Dead Memories, the vocals sound like an afterthought. Almost like they aren't mixed in with the instrumental, which is some of the stuff that I had complaints about on the third record. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's a weird album. Um, but the... <laughs> The interesting thing too was, um, I, yeah, so they, they didn't like it, but they had so much fun and they actually got to work on it together, which was great. Uh, the producer apparently wasn't able to like wrangle all nine members right? and they were like, we miss Rick Rubin. But the interesting thing about that was, I, I forgot to mention it. The band was split on opinions on Rick Rubin. Corey Taylor and Sean fucking hated him, but yeah. Jim Root was like, he was great. Yeah, well, their complaint was that he wasn't there as much because he was doing other projects. Yeah, and Jim Root was like, I get it. Yeah. yeah. Everyone who, like, you don't, man, I mean, unless you're fucking Johnny Cash or the Beastie Boys or, yeah, I don't know, whatever. Slipknot doesn't deserve Rick Rubin's full attention. Right. And you know what you're getting into when you go to make a record with Rick Rubin. Yeah. He'll be there. He'll make sure that the record is good yeah he, they got a great record out of it he showed up and sat down and was like uh yeah that's cool uh you should do redo that redo that this could be this and then you go do something else yeah that's all that but the, what's wrong with that yeah exactly it's fine he's not so, your mother but he was able to actually wrangle all nine of them right whereas this guy was not yeah and so that do it. that really bummed them out um uh i think what they liked about this guy was the production a lot they yeah. liked the way the album like came out sound wise. Mm -hmm. They just didn't like the songs they wrote after the fact. <laughs> I just think I, I don't know. I mean, I know I know that because like, it's after this album. This is Joey's last album with the band, mm -hmm. and I think the most of the people in the band hate this album. But Joey loves it. Yeah, he said that it, like the thing you mentioned earlier, where it was like everybody's writing for the album, and he said that. Uh, this is this is Slipknot finally sounds the way he wants them to sound. Yeah. And I think that I think at the time every member of the band agreed. I just think that they 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 really hate what ended up coming out. Right. Uh which, you know, that sucks, but yeah. I think that I think they were happy with parts of it and I think the process was really fun for them, which is right. cool. So, uh no fun fact here uh because now we have to talk about the sad and that's Paul Gray dying. So the bass player who was part who was part of the band for forever and was integral to the writing process. Yeah. Uh died in 2010. For a while it was unclear what it was. May 24th. Yeah. Uh he died uh from a morphine overdose, uh significant heart disease and later they found Xanax in his system as well, which he had a history of abusing. Was it an accidental overdose? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, eventually he probably would have anyway. Yeah, he, he had a heart disease, so. Right. Um, the This, like, I because I was a huge fan of Slipknot at the time, and I remember how this shook everybody. In that. And, and being, like, the, the, the fanboy I was, I was mm -hmm. a maggot. I had a number. Right. The, the, the fan base of Slipknot is intense and scary intense, and this was, like, it just shook everybody. Right. And I could not imagine how the members of the band felt. Yeah. They, like, oof. Very big oof. Yeah. That'd be heavy. Yeah. And then they go to record the Grey Chapter and go to write it, and they fire Joey Jordison. Yeah. Because he had back problems, right? Okay, so that's what later came out. Uh, originally it was, we split for, you know, this artistic differences bullshit. And then he said, I got fired. I would never leave because I love this band and I love the fans. And then he later said that he had back problems and that made him made it hard to, for him to play drums. Right. 
I don't know what all is true. I know the back problems thing is true. Yeah. But I don't know if that's why he got fired. Yeah, who knows? I mean, he really liked... Yeah, whatever. It doesn't matter. So, I think that Joey was a really important part of the band, but uh, as a drummer myself, Joey Jordison is not the best drummer in the world, not even fucking close. If you're a drummer and you're listening to this and you think Joey Jordison is the best drummer in the world or one of the best, I'm really happy for you. <laughs> uh, I thought you were going to be like, stop listening. <laughs> no, uh, we can we can have a really fun... Send us an email. We'll talk about it. Yeah. Um, but then the the other thing with getting another drummer is that they, they've left such a discography already that if you were a capable enough drummer that was actually into that style of music, yeah, then you can pick up on what you should what you should do and play well, the fucking part. You can pick up on what you should do, but also you could do something different because right. Joey wasn't good at that. No. Joey was no. a one trick pony and that was it. Yeah. Once he did his thing, it was like, Okay, cool. Yeah. We've got it. Yeah, because now we get we get Jay Weinberg. Yeah, we get Jay Weinberg who is for anybody who is very interested, I love it. Um, so uh, he is Max Weinberg's son. Max Weinberg is the drummer of the E Street Band. Uh, he's also the drummer for Conan O'Brien's shit. He was the band leader, show. right? Band leader, yeah, he's yeah. the band leader for, for Conan O'Brien. Yeah. Uh, Jay Weinberg is younger than all of us, mm-hmm. and uh, he has played with the E Street Band. He has played with uh, Against Me mm-hmm. and uh, now Slipknot. Now Slipknot. And I think I'm missing one, one other credit. But it doesn't really matter. He's great. He's a he fuck. Yeah. He's an incredible drummer. And he met the way he met Slipknot was through his dad backstage at a show where his dad was like, hey, Jay, this is Slipknot. This is Slipknot. He's yeah. wearing a suit. <laughs> yeah. And so from then, like, they, they kind of paid attention to that kid and they were like, he's great. And yeah. he's fucking great. Yeah. And he's uh, incredible. Yeah. So they, uh, they replaced Joey with uh, Jay Weinberg and they replace. Um, uh, Paul Gray with the original guitar player, not the one I mentioned earlier, a different guy. Um, and he uh, ended up leaving the band to be with uh, his family, to be with his family. And I'm trying Good to man. find his name. I wrote it down somewhere, but I can't seem to find it in my notes. Cause I got a bunch of shit right here. <laughs> uh, so he's in the band, he leaves and then they get a guy named Alessandro who I mentioned at the top to be the permanent bass player. Right-handed. Yeah. Paul Gray was left-handed. Yeah. Yep. So uh, this album uh, it has 16 songs. Um, the singles are The Negative One, The Devil and I, Custer, Kill Pop, XIX, and Goodbye. Yep. Uh, the, uh, ne- the Negative One and Custer were nominated for Grammys. The album... It's the first one nominated for Best Album, Best Rock Album. Uh, best Rock Album. Well, I mean, there's a lot of different stuff on this. Yes, there is. Uh, so um, Jim Root leaves the band that I mentioned earlier. He leaves Stone Sour to focus on Slipknot for the writing of this album. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it just it just becomes this thing for them where I think they were really focused on making this album something special. I think it's easy to go back and listen to the listen to all hope is gone and maybe volume three and lose a little bit of the grit because in all hope is gone. And maybe this is why they don't like it. Maybe there's one reason why they, they were happy recording this album. Right. And I think that maybe killed a lot of what made the other albums good. I don't know if that's what it was, but maybe to them it was. And then in this album, we have a completely broken band. Oh yeah. A band that is just falling apart and um, I think that that helps them make this album. I'm not saying it's a great album, though. I think it's it's my favorite. It's your favorite album? It's my favorite Slipknot album. Oh, geez, Louise. <laughs> geez, Louise. Uh, the first, okay, so the first time I heard this album, I was like, this is a fucking stinker. Really? This is when it came out, because I was like, I, I don't know. This is years. This is years after All Hope is Gone. This is okay. years after Paul Gray dies. Mm-hmm. Joey Jordison has quit the band a year prior to this. And I'm sitting here like, well, this is not, and most Slipknot fans were sitting here like, this is not what we wanted. We, I, the first time that I heard the first single, which was, uh, the first single was the devil and I, I, I was like, this is fucking terrible. This is so bad. Uh, and when it dropped, I was like, I don't want to listen to this. I listened to it and it bummed me out. And I think that the big reason for me was that Paul Gray was a big, such a big part of writing. He made a lot of those songs what they were. Right. I don't know what he did, but 
I think that was a big thing. Well, I just remember hearing about one of the guitar players talk about how Paul Gray would make them question every decision they made in terms of like, is that the right place to play that chord? Is that the right place to for him to play those single notes? Yeah. And he would just move stuff around a lot until he got exact. He was very meticulous. He was. And I think that he wrote a lot of the guitar riffs. I think I, I remember right. hearing stories of him having a guitar in the writing process and he would write the guitar parts for them, which is great. Um, Going back and listening to this album for this, I found that I like it a lot more than I than I than I remember. I, for me, it's the easiest album to enjoy all the way through. Okay, maybe it doesn't have my favorite singles or my favorite songs, but as an album, it's better. But as an album, for me, I like it because it's just so varied. Yeah, that's fair. There's a lot of like they have. There's like electronic drum stuff on it. Yeah, and it it fits really well. Like the what's which uh the xix yeah i don't think it has that on it but it also has what sounds like synth bagpipes yeah and uh, i mean the, as an opener track it's it like, it has so many things it has so many different things about it was this the one you were gonna say doesn't have an intro or is all hope no, is gone it was all hope is gone it has an intro dot execute because the gray chapter kind of doesn't have an intro but it's it's just a different like XIX being the intro is kind of a different kind of intro. Like it is an intro in the sense of like it doesn't feel like a full song to me. Um, but it it's it's uh it's I still consider it the intro to uh I'm gonna make sure I say this right, Sarcastrophe. That's how I thought it was pronounced. Yeah, yeah. uh stupid I, name. Yeah, I can see great song. It plays into it, but it's not like it's not the same a intro as the they've other, done before. What I mean by the intros that they did before was that it was not a song itself. You would never put that on. Yeah, totally. Unless you just wanted to hear someone say, the whole thing I think is sick. Yeah. Which or, I've done before. I wanted yeah. to hear that. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think, I mean, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm excited to give this album a listen, like, on my own without having to think about it in terms of, I have to talk about this later. Just listening to it and to yeah. enjoy it. Yeah, yeah because I, I mean, on this re-listen, I was like, okay, this isn't as much of a stinker as I remember. Mm-hmm. There aren't nearly as many things that are like memorable to me, but there were a lot of, there's still good things on the album. Yeah. Uh, as Correct me if I'm wrong, but the song Goodbye is the first song we see from them in 3-4. Mm-hmm, yeah. Which is like... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Let's do something different, guys. Um, yeah. So that was, I think overall, I think it's a good album. I just think that, I don't know. I also think that maybe I liked it more listening to all the albums, kind of like in order. Yeah, and I yeah. and it helps to see a progression with a band. Yeah. Especially a band like Slipknot, where the only two albums that feel the same. Well, I guess it's kind of in patterns. Like uh, Slipknot and Iowa were similar. Uh, volume three and all hope is gone. We're similar. And then the gray chapter is kind of its own thing. Um, who knows if it's going to be like, we are not your kind, which is the next album that comes out in less than a month. But I, I think that this album has songs on it that sound like they could have been yeah. on the first record. So here's the crazy thing. And I, I disagree with this completely. I totally forgot to mention, uh, fucking the, the critics thing was like, it's a great album. The critics loved this. They said that it's a combination between volume three and Iowa. And I, I was I read that and I'm like, dumb. You're stupid. Yeah, I disagree with that. <laughs> like, I think it sounds like it sounds like like the first album and then new stuff. Yeah, I think I, I it it sounds it sounds like they wanted to go back to the gritty shit. Yeah, but fans didn't feel that way. A lot of the hardcore Slipknot fans, including myself, did not feel like this album was going back to the gritty shit, which is what they're claiming they're going to do. For we are not your kind. Yeah, I just think that this one is for me their most mature sounding album in okay, terms I, of. Well, I agree with that completely. In terms of variety and yeah. like, if you were, if I were to show this album to a fan of music, yeah. If I were to show any Slipknot album, it would be this show one. Volume three. Volume three. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, um, yeah. So this album, uh, the next album comes out in less than a month, August 9th. Um, well, I mean, this will come out really close to that. Um, so we are not your kind comes out this year. Uh, um, two singles have already been out all out life and unsainted, uh, all out life is fucking awesome. And unsainted is cool. It's not great. Um, the band is like so stoked on this. They are like excited about this album, which is cool. I'm, I'm excited to hear what like they're excited about. Um, 
and I think that this is gonna I, I think this is gonna be that combination that the that the critics meant for the last album. Right. I think this is actually gonna be heavy plus I think it's gonna be what the true maturity of the band is and the true progression of watching the album Slipknot and Iowa and the albums Volume Three and All Hope Is Gone combining into an album of like this is heavy and melodic and we're doing our thing. Yeah, I'm excited to hear it. Fuck Sean Crahan. Fuck him, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because then, what's his name? Chris... Fenn. Chris Fenn wasn't getting paid enough. Right, so here, so so as I mentioned at the beginning, there's so much drama in this band. And something that, like, I mean, we touched on it a little bit with just, like, oh, they fought, they didn't like each other at certain points. Uh, right. I, I don't know if I mentioned that one of them, they didn't, in between one of the album recordings, they didn't talk for three months. Um, so they, they, they just didn't like each other at certain points. And That's not an uncommon thing for a band. It's not. But at the same time, like, it, from what, I mean, even saying, like, when they recorded Volume 3 and Joey just dips when he's done with yeah. his tracks, I think he probably did that because he didn't want to be around them. Right. So, uh, yeah. And then, like, you know, during the recording of Iowa, they were all fucking pissed off and they were like, fuck you, fuck off, I don't want to talk to you, all this shit. Um, and I think that, like, the, the like, that's that's such a true thing of, like, this band is dramatic, Right. And then you see all the stuff in the press about them with like Corey Taylor being crazy and busting like a literally busting a nut. And uh, <laughs> how long were you waiting to say that? That's what I want to know. I, I don't know. God, <laughs> you're so excited about that. <laughs> and uh, it's like, oh yeah, this band is is dramatic. They do crazy shit. And then this whole thing with Chris Fenn, one of the trash can players, he basically was not getting like you said, not getting paid enough money. Yeah, but it the argument that the lawyers and that Sean Crahan and Corey Taylor have made is that he is not a founding member of the band. His contract states he's not a founding member of the band. And uh, he uh, was contracted basically as a hired musician, as a hired gun, not as a member Man. of the band. That's his problem. Well, he's still he's still going for it. There, I saw an article yesterday that was like, Chris Fenn is still pursuing like the lawsuit. Yeah, because their Slipknot's lawyers were like, we sh- we you shouldn't do this. Yeah. Uh, and Corey Taylor was like, we, we love him. We don't want him to do this. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, there, I remember seeing some quote, maybe it was Sean. I can't remember. It was one of his Corey or Sean. That was like, like sucks to suck basically. Yeah. I mean, uh, you can't, but yeah, that whole situation's fucked. Uh, and it's so dramatic and I love it. And, uh, the other thing about it is like Corey Taylor is not a founding member of the band. So fuck off with that argument. You no, know, but he writes all the lyrics. He doesn't write all that's, lyrics. Well, Joey okay. Joey Jordison okay, yeah. wrote a bunch of lyrics before. When okay, he was in the yeah, band. I stand corrected. But I mean, like lyrics play. It does like a fifty fifty percent. Yeah, it does in most cases. But he's not a founding member of the band. That's true. He's well, clown is the only. He's the he's the ringleader of the whole thing. Yeah. So that makes that whole point so stupid to be yeah. like, well, he's not like the the argument being that he's not a founding member of the band. It's like, well, who fucking cares? There's only one left anyway. Yeah. So like, it doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. Well, and more drama is that clown's daughter passed away oh yeah i forgot about that drug Ugh. overdose man that's crazy i couldn't imagine that yeah I, mean, I feel bad saying fuck you but also he's kind of a dick uh yeah so uh in conclusion are we there yeah we're there yeah we're there so in conclusion i i love slipknot uh, i've had made that already very very clear their music has done uh, wonderful things for me uh i think that they they just do such a good job of being heavy and having melodies and doing all these things Seeing a band like that progress is really interesting, and they are definitely always going to have people with strong opinions. Yeah, uh, and they're going to have strong opinions, and they're not going to be a- Jim Root and Mick Thompson, the two guitar players, are the only ones who are ever going to be like quiet. Yeah, <laughs> like, but also, yeah, kudos to them for sticking yeah, it out for this long. Exactly, they're about to be twenty five years old as a band. Yeah, exactly, and they've gone through so much shit. Yeah. Uh, uh, Jackson mentioned uh, on another episode we did. They are, you know, today's Kiss, and I completely agree with that. They yeah, are, they are. They are our Kiss, at least. They are like what we like. What, what we grew up with. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they're great. Uh, I I really want to see them play again once this album comes out. If I like the album, especially. Um, and yeah, so I don't know what you got in your in conclusion. I think my uh, for the most part, I had fun listening to it. Um, it's so much fun to listen to. I had so much nostalgia with the first record. I yeah, can just remember sure. being in fifth grade and like literally my friend, a good friend of mine and I were in his father's garage moshing. Right. Listening to the first record so in fifth grade. My favorite thing about the first, like Sick is probably one of my favorite songs, if not my favorite on that record. Uh-huh. 
And it starts off with just this heavy like and then it comes in with the double kick. Right. Uh, have you noticed that they slow down? Yeah. It's I love yeah. it. I love it. Yeah. Joey can't play it. Joey no. can't play what they did. So they had to slow down during the double bass section of the intro and then pick it back up again. Yeah. I mean it's <laughs> it's just they're they're lucky to have Jay there, Jay Weinberg, because like Oh my god. He's 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 just so good. He's I mean, so you can't be Max Weinberg's good. son and not be good at drums. I mean, I, I'm I I don't know for sure, but by the time he is like older, like like by the time he's in his thirties, I think he'll be better than Max if he isn't already. Oh, for sure. Yeah. At least technically, he's probably technically already better in in some aspects. But the fact that he's he's done so many different gigs already, so like yeah. he's played in so many different projects, is just like he's he's set. Like he's yeah. had the education, he's had the exposure, the experience. He's there. Yeah. We're we're rooting for him. Oh yeah, we're rooting for you, Jay. Uh, so again, it's kind of hard to talk about like the masks because you know this is audio. But uh, maybe in the show notes we'll have the masks for you to go look at. But go look them up. Go see all the different masks they had. Uh, they all have different numbers, all the members, and they all have their own different masks that have changed. For example, they just got new masks for this new album, and wow, are some of them fucking dumb. Uh, <laughs> Especially apparently Corey Taylor's. They're all everybody hates Corey's mask. <laughs> he's been he's. I haven't heard Corey Taylor's name in the news for for so long. Yeah. And now all I hear about is how people are upset about Corey's mask and how he's reacting to it like a badass, going like, I don't care what you think. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> um, the masks are dumb. They're fun. Go check them out. Uh, and so one last Corey Taylor fun thing. Uh, I'm going to read some tweets from a thing that he did. Uh, basically broke my neck a while back and didn't realize it. Had to have two discs replaced and work on vertebrae. Those first shows rescheduled for August. Enough. Another tweet. Enough with the conspiracy theories. I quit smoking because I wanted to. I had emergency surgery because shit came up during my physical. Calm down. And then the next tweet is a picture of him in a neck brace. Uh, so yeah, he broke his neck without realizing he broke his neck. Oh my God. And then go look at a picture of him. His neck is huge, and he's a like. I mean, it's just it. it just he's just so crazy. I yeah. love it. I love. I I love it, and I hate it. So he's much. gonna have problems in his older age. Yeah, he probably already has plenty. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's Slipknot. Uh, go listen to it. Have fun with it. Uh, we did it. We did it. We did it. Uh, so, uh, next, uh, you're going to have, we have coming up next. You're going to have Jackson and Adam back. They're going to do Beck. So come back for Beck. (laughs) (laughs) You're looking at your iPad like you wrote that down. And I'm going to, I want to look at your notes after this to see if you wrote that down. All I wrote down was Beck next. Oh man. Come back for Beck. (laughs) Yeah, dude. Come back for Beck. All right. See ya. See ya.